0: Shalom. Welcome again to another edition of Seekers of Meaning, the podcast and TV arm of Jewish Sacred Aging. I'm your host, Rabbi Richard address and we appreciate you being with us. Um, as you know, these podcasts are designed to explore issues relevant to our generation, their revolution in longevity, and the impact of spirituality on our own growth um, and aging process. Uh, we are now in a very, very interesting time in the Jewish calendar, as many of you know. We're, we're in the month of Elul. Elul is that month that precedes Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, the High Holidays, and it is a time when we are supposed to begin turning our own souls uh, to the new year, to, to think about our own life, do some life review, and prepare ourselves and our souls for the new year that lies ahead. And so we're going to have a series of conversations um, over these next couple of weeks. To try to focus in on some of the ideas that may be inherent in, uh, this time of the year, which is a very serious time of the year, but also one hopes for all of us, a very joyful time of the year. And as our lead off batter, uh, for this, uh, series of conversations, it's a pleasure to welcome actually back to, uh, Seekers of Meaning after a couple of years, Rabbi Mark Levin, who is the founding rabbi of Beth Torah in Overland Park, Kansas, which is, uh, if I'm not mistaken, having been there, uh, right around the corner from Kansas City. So, uh, Mark, welcome. It's good to see you again. How are you
1: doing? It's great to be here. Thank you very much for inviting me. I appreciate it. Uh,
0: it's a pleasure to see you again. Um, Mark has, uh, written, has been with us. He's an author, uh, author of many, many articles. Um, and as well as a book on prayer, uh, that I think we did a podcast on a couple of years ago, but we want to focus, Mark, uh, today on this preparing our souls for the high holidays um so i think that none no, i think i i i want to start with with this question of what you hope given the craziness of the time we're living in um what are you what are you hoping for for this new year what what do you, what is it that you want this new year to bring to you
1: yeah you know it's it's not an easy question uh al- although some things simply uh stick out and, and, you know, we are involved in this crazy national political life, which is not a matter to my mind of politics, so much as it's a matter of hopes and dreams and lifestyle that for the first time in our lives, uh, you know, those of us who grew up uh, in the shadow of the Holocaust after the Holocaust, uh, in the shadow of the destruction of Israel, potentially in our early years and worrying about the life of the Jewish people. Uh But we never worried about the future of democracy uh, in our country. And I know many people who are concerned lest they have to leave the country because things turn bad. So the political life of the country, not in terms of politics, but in terms of what it will mean for the Jewish community and for our nation is a major concern and a major topic of conversation. I also want to say, however, that whereas that's on a communal uh, and national level, uh, I'll just be personal. I had a little uh, health crisis this past year. I have severe arthritis. And and that hit me uh, very hard in terms this coming year of saying, okay, uh, now that I'm, quote, old, which I never felt before, uh, what does that mean? Uh, how does my life adjust? What am I going to do differently? How do I maintain uh, my joy in life? My, my joy with my family, my joy in my community. How do I maintain all these things? What needs to be adjusted as the new year begins? And I have to accommodate what is frankly put, uh, a, a new reality. Yeah. I,
0: I think I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, because a, I'm in the same similar boat. Um, this for the first time, I think in a long time, well, not a long time. I think really for the first time in my life, I'm very, very aware that, um, things are changing. And part of the challenge of, I think, American culture, but part of the challenge of our own existence is, uh, as you pointed out, is how do we begin to accept, um, the gradual changes and sometimes losses that we undergo as we get older? And how do we, manage to hold on to those things that we continue to do and bring us joy and happiness. Um and it's it I think this is for many of our generation a period of time where we're beginning to really, as you mentioned, look at that in a serious, in a serious way because we realize uh that things are changing. Um and I, I and which is why I wanted to raise that question with you. Right now in the, in this month as we prepare for the holidays, because I think more and more people, as you alluded to, are going to be starting to think about this. But I, I also wanted to ask you as well on a, on a, I guess on a more, um, communal level, Jewish level. Uh, your career has, you know, we, we've, you're spanned a, a, a lot of transition and you have written, um, on, what is going on now within liberal Judaism in the United States of America. Uh, and I'm wondering, in, in the sense of the, this month of Elul of turning, do you, do you sense that the, that the liberal Jewish community is beginning to turn away from the institutions that we were raised with and the institutions that gave us um, a sense of our own Jewish identity?
1: Yeah, this is a, a very difficult problem. I want to, just two words of history, and that is, you know, I was uh 18 in 1967, and I grew up with Reformed Judaism, and and we were, I, I want to mention this, we were Reformed Jews. We were not watered-down Jews. We were Reformed Jews. We went to synagogue on Friday night. We attended all holidays. Uh, my parents said Kiddush. We all said Kiddush on Friday night. We observed Shabbat in our way. So we were observant Reformed Jews when I was growing up, and I grew up with a Judaism that was morality, with a rabbi by the name of Abe Schusterman at Harzani in Baltimore. And and he was Mr. Morality, Mr. Social Justice. In 1967, after the Six-Day War, historically, Reformed Judaism changed from a religion of morality, that is social justice ethics, to a religion of meaning. And so in my rabbit, which began in the pulpit in 76, I began to see, see people say, not so much, you know, what's the social justice question here? Although that persisted, but what does this mean to me? And if it doesn't mean something important to me, why do I need to do it? And so I see that adjusting, but also adjusting in a way where community is more important. And I, and I can't overemphasize that, I think at this point. Uh, Community is more important. Having rituals that are meaningful in their lives, even if they're not necessarily the traditional take on the ritual. Rituals that are meaningful in their lives. And, you know, just point to Debbie Friedman's Misha Bayrach. When you and I grew up, no one was going to say Misha Bayrach, you know, praying for health in the Reformed community. That was crazy. You know, God doesn't answer those kinds of prayers. Well, anywhere you go now, Misha Bayrach is absolutely standard. So people have a, a belief system that includes things that may not be totally, quote, rational, but they are meaningful in their lives and they find great solace. I see people all the time who, when a relative is suffering, uh, they are right there uh, praying in community for those people's health and recovery. And I, I think that that will persist and needs to be expanded so
0: what do you mean it needs to be expanded
1: uh well a lot of our people look i'm 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 in greater kansas city as you indicated many people here are getting on they're they're still after covid getting on the internet in order to watch services in other places and and so they've lost what they get is what they consider to be a more entertaining service maybe a better sermon they believe uh maybe the music is of a higher quality uh but they're watching from the comfort of their home. And so this sense of community and and mutual support uh has uh in some cases declined, but I also see it in other congregations where it's increased. Because because people are saying, oh, I can get something here that I haven't seen necessarily in my own life for years. A sense of support when there's something wrong with me. I mean, we know when people feel their health decline or a threat of any sort, they search for community that can help be supportive to them and where they maybe can also support.
0: You, you wrote this a very, very challenging article um, in the context of the dialogue that is going on now within liberal Judaism and reform Judaism in particular about restructuring, recharging, reinventing, renewing, fill in the appropriate suffix to the re. Um, and it, it, it really, to me, just opens the door to this period of time in our, in our, in the Jewish calendar. We're, we're being asked to really look at hard issues and look at ourselves and look at our institutions. And so, so you, you write about, um, adapting to new realities, which Judaism has done for centuries. But then you write this, quote, plausible theories exist in our society, enabling coping with the problem of mortality, but Reform Judaism has failed to own them as central to Jewish communal life. Is this central, is one of the central, if not the central, issues of religion, the, de- the ability to deal with mortality?
1: So, uh, this is, my undergraduate education was in phenomenology of religion, and this is my take. Uh, I'm along with Ernest Becker in his book, The Denial of Death, from, from I guess, 82 or so, Pulitzer Prize winning book, uh, that yes, the major human question is not whether I could speak in public, which I hear so many people say, but the fact of my mortality. And the fact of the fact is that everyone I know deals with it. I happen to do in my retirement a good bit of pastoral care. And so, whereas people, you know, think about this. We, when we were prepared to go to college, we talked to all of our friends about college. When we were preparing to marry, we were probably talking to our friends about the nature of marriage. When we were preparing for occupation, same thing. Great communal support. Who discusses death? We all have this anxiety. We all have this fear. We all have the traumas of the various things that we face prior to and who has honest, forthright conversations. So this most critical human question, here's where I differ with some of my colleagues who are, for instance, pursuing Israel, which to my mind is an enormously important question, enormously important. I'm not going to minimize that. Okay, But the real fundamental religious question is my mortality and the community in which I exist. Okay. And my and my immortality. And so in that article, I say, I believe I, I could name four plausible uh, senses of my immortality uh, or explanations for, for my mortality that seems to me people turn to, but they never discuss them. And so get the communal support. And the communal support is absolutely vital uh, for me to be able to cope with this sense of, you know, the end, God willing, is at least 20 years off, but I'm not going to live more than 20 years.
0: Well, I'm glad, I'm glad you raised this because this is part of, I mean, for those people who've taken my classes know that, uh, the basis of my theology of relationships is, is G- Genesis three and the introduction of the idea that we're going to die. And so the Becker book and, uh, another book, which I referred to, uh, it, it's right there behind me, uh, the Irving Yalom book, Staring at the Sun who talks about death anxiety all the time. And I'm I, and I'm fascinated also, and I don't know whether you're seeing this in Kansas City, but there seems to be a bubbling up all of a sudden, and I have a funny feeling is because as you were saying, our generation is now, we have no choice but to confront our own mortality because it's everywhere, it's everywhere. Um, and so we want to control it because we tried to control everything else, <laughs> and the reality is as you alluded to we, we, this is one thing we can't control. Um but there is an a, a nice subtle increase in organizations that are beginning to look at this issue seriously from a Jewish perspective. Um Kavod Vinuchum, the Shomer Collective, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um but it still frightens the you know what out of most people.
1: But yeah, because so the reason it frightens the the daylights out of people is because there is no social permission, and this is the role of the synagogue. There is no social permission for us to get together. You know what? I'm scared as hell of dying, or you know, I got a diagnosis this year. I walked in the doctor's office, and the doctor says, "Congratulations, your arthritis and your and your age finally caught up with you." I've been athletic my whole adult life, okay, and I I've got several fusions. <laughs> it's not a nuclear experiment, okay, in in, in my back. Okay, so I've had to deal with that. But who do you get to talk to? I searched and searched for someone that I could have a serious conversation about what this means. And so here, the role of the synagogue ought to be beginning at age 45 or 50. What do I do about my parents? What do I do about nursing homes? The real questions. okay, and 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 not entirely ancillary, but part of that discussion is, And what about me and what are you going to do? Because there is solace. There is no solution to death, but there is solace in community. There is solace in experiencing these anxieties um, and, and the hopefulness together. For instance, what is hopefulness? Hopefulness is grandchildren. Hopefulness is making your life part of something greater than yourself that you know your values will persist because of you. Because of you, those values will persist in the world when your body's not present, your values will be because of your actions. Is that a c- complete solution to the problem? No, but it certainly is ameliorative.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that fact. of. Bit, <laughs> I have to give a plug uh, as we're getting close to the holidays. The One of the, the congregation that I do a lot of teaching with um, and that our producer, Steve Lubetkin, is very, very, and his wife, Judy, very, very involved with, we're slowly, we have a second meeting coming, actually creating a Chaburah specifically to do exactly what you're talking about, because it occurred to us, um, not as, and I'm not their rabbi, I'm just, now I'm, I used to be their rabbi, but um, there was no place in the context of this congregation to have these very, very non-judgmental conversations. So, um, we're beginning this at and Me and Cherry Hill. Uh, and, uh, we'll see what happens. I'm very hopeful. You know, and the thing I love about these podcasts is sometimes you just spontaneously get an idea. So I'm going to plant an idea in your, in your brain. And when you think about it and you get back to me, um, but maybe we can use Jewish sacred aging and maybe we can create some sort of conversation that you're talking about through the internet through uh this medium that we could co-facilitate i'm going to say, and and whatever it is we'll just talk about it offline maybe one day but i would urge any of you who are in, in synagogues organizations to think about exactly what we're talking about now uh, because what rabbi levin is or levin is talking about is so essential um, to where we are, and fits perfectly with where we are in this period of light of uh, of our Jewish calendar.
1: So let's connect it up. I believe this is me.
0: Yeah, I yeah, believe
1: yeah. God gave us three solutions to create meaning in life: love, the greatest, okay, which which, which is unconditional love. Okay, the greatest, um, altruism, doing something for others for which there is no benefit other than, no benefit other than the satisfaction of having done it for you and making your life part of something greater than yourself. Okay. And, and I believe that God, that's how God built meaning into life. Okay. So we have to have meaning. Well, what is the high holidays about? That's the question of the high holiness. Where did I stray? Oh, may you know, I'm pursuing this thing over here and really it doesn't really add to me it temporarily you sure you know it adds to the meaning of my life I mean I like to ride my bike down to a down to a market down here and get myself a roll and a piece of cheese okay and and I find it highly meaningful but it's not exactly well, comparable to it's pleasurable okay whether it's meaningful or not is something else so you know these discussions need to take place in a community and what what I haven't said yet we haven't said yet is in addition, if you don't discuss these things, it increases your anxiety, it increases the the threat, uh, it increases the notion of your own isolation. And so, the, the not only is it necessary in order to help us resolve these issues. I mean, you know, when I decided to go to graduate school, okay, everybody around me was going to graduate school. I didn't have to get support anywhere. Everybody was saying, "Of course you're going to graduate school." You know, when we got married. Yeah, you're going to get married? We're all married. But, you know, there was lots of social support. Everybody dies. Nobody supports us. It's ridiculous when you think about it, but it's because of fear. And that sense of isolation and anxiety that result, okay, are a tragedy that is a resolvable, it, it is a resolvable tragedy. Every synagogue, here's my statement, every synagogue should have the expectation when you're 45 to 50 years old, you will join a group in which these issues are going to be discussed. Not dray your cup with them. You know, you can have a glass of wine, you know, and discuss the latest movie that you saw. But this is the general theme of the discussion, so that you have a of people who are supportive to you as you go through these issues, the way we did with the earlier issues in our lives.
0: In another paragraph, you raised something uh, that I want to push a little bit on, because I think it also opens the door to some very, very needy conversation. You write, quote, social justice issues along with Israel as an existential necessity after the Holocaust have provided motivations for Jewish community involvement for the past 75 years. But the Holocaust no longer motivates today's believers and Israel has faded significantly in existential importance for the younger generation, unquote. Given what's happening, let me ask you, are we now in the post Holocaust world where you, and I, I don't want to offend anybody, but the idea that we're now several generations removed, it, how do we begin to understand this? And just about every rabbi, probably that both of us know, will probably do something on Israel during these high holidays. Yeah, And as you mentioned, this is becoming a wedge issue now with us. So talk to me a little bit about these two two traditional pillars of synagogue and Jewish programming,
1: Holocaust, Israel. Okay. Uh, Very important. Look, I'm the founding rabbi of a congregation. So the people around me joined the congregation because they liked what was happening there. Okay. And so it was a social justice congregation because I was a social justice guy. I grew up in the '60s. My rabbi was a social justice. Also, Gene Lippmann, Oliver Shalom, okay, right. big time social justice. I worked for Gene for a year. He was my mentor. So, so this is my Judaism. The congregation was a social justice congregation, but also the pursuit of meaning. Okay, for me, Israel is an existential question. For the children I know, children, the young adults I know, it's a political question and a social justice question. And they look at the government of Israel, and they think that's Israel. They don't see necessarily, maybe this is my failure, okay? They don't see necessarily the 2,000 years of struggle to have a nation that is acceptable, okay, that is a place that we could go. I'm still a I'm Jew. I speak Hebrew because because there's a state of Israel, I, because I lived there for a couple of years. I'm not going to give that up because of, because of a, a, a turn in the political world. That, God willing, is temporary. So, yes, that has changed, and yes, we have to pursue both avenues. We have to support the people who see the importance of Israel, okay? But I emphasize homeland, Israel as homeland, not Israel as political entity, okay? To my mind, for 2,000 years, we struggled to make sure that there was a homeland. We turned to Jerusalem for prayer. But that's amcha. That's peoplehood. That's not politics. And I can divide as much as I hate doing it sometimes. I can divide between the politics of the state of Israel and the, and the people Israel of which I am a part. That's one. Holocaust, to my mind, is an inevitable. The, the loss of Holocaust as a force is an inevitable tragedy. You know, the, the expulsion from Spain was the greatest tragedy prior to the, prior to the Holocaust, which affected the Jewish world. You know, when you read about the subsequent events all over the world, they're all affected by that. We don't care. <laughs> you know, it's five centuries later. And, 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 and that reduction in the impact is natural and unfortunate, but it is natural. I think Jews have been a genius about, uh, uh, capturing those emotions and putting them into ritual. And those rituals are important, but it's also the, the diminution. In comparison with, let's say, your own personal life, the the welfare of your family, how your children or grandchildren are doing. You know, you're not going to think about the Holocaust. You're going to think about your personal life. So that's inevitable. And the question, therefore, becomes, what do we turn to? What does Judaism mean? My growing up, it was Holocaust in Israel very often, peoplehood. Okay, now it's got to be issues of meaning, issues of community. Bring people together. And it's hard in the post COVID world, right? Because people, like I said, are staying home. They, they want to, they, they're, they're going to lose a sense of community if they don't attend. I'll, I'll tell you one other thing. And maybe this is because I'm in the Midwest. This is, I'm retired nine years. So this is 15 years ago, let's say I looked out of the congregation at high holy days and I don't see any children, the little children. Now where I grew up. Everybody went, not only for high holidays, you went for the festivals as well. Didn't make a difference what you did when you were there. Everybody went. And when I looked out and I saw that the children weren't there, meaning they were in school, they were at evening services, but they weren't a daily service, the day services, I said, oh, my God, we're dead in the water. Because if they don't attend as children, they ain't going to pick up the habit when they're adults. And that worries me. The lack of community, the, the, the parents saying arithmetic is more important than Rosh Hashanah. That worries me. And I don't know what, the, what on the coasts, in the larger Jewish communities, we're, we're a community of fifteen to 25,000, something like that. So on the coasts, you know, are, are liberal Jews attending at, 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 at the High Holy Days and the festivals? God, I hope so. You talk about we're meaning and community. community. We have to find ways to increase community contact and the importance and meaning of community. So meaning and community. Where where is God in us? Right. <laughs> okay, I see God in the other. Okay. This is boy, I just had a prenup with a couple that's getting married in a couple of weeks. And um I was explaining to them God is in what you're about to do. You are you are Creating holiness between the two of you. And that is God's presence. You know the Midrash as well as I do, Ish, Isha, and Ish. Right, right, okay? right. So, so in this relationship, God, God is present. God is present in the creation of the world. God is present in the order of the world. God is present in our necessity for meaning. And all those things we must act upon. To simply go and sit in a synagogue and then go out and resume your normal. Okay. I'll interrupt myself. Heschel said he who rises from prayer and is unchanged has not prayed. Right. And I believe that. So God is present when we, when, when in prayer, we attempt to accomplish God's goals in the world for the, for ourselves and the Jewish people. I believe each of us has a role. And I believe the Jewish people has a role. And when we pursue those things, we're not only pursuing God, God's goals. We are, we also can feel, feel God's presence as this couple feels God's presence between them. They're not religious people, right? They're not overtly religious people, but they're discovering the sacredness in their relationship. And that's God at work in the world. And, and and so we have to have that in the congregation. And I believe we had it. Um, yeah, we had a highly participatory congregation. I don't know about you, but me standing in a little pulpit with 12 1,400 people and Yom Kippur sitting in the congregation and they all stand together without cue and start on, you know, hatsi Baruch Hu, Shema. I was... The, the rush of spirituality in me from that community, I can't duplicate. It was unique yeah. in my life.
0: And those are those moments in, in the rabbinate that are precious and um, indescribable.
1: And but- I believe the congregation felt that even though they couldn't, you know, we think that if, it, if if we can't articulate it, it's not real. And the reverse is true. That which is most real is probably inarticulable. And think, think about, you know, if you have a, if you're fortunate enough to have a spouse, you know, can, can, can you capture in words the attachment that you have after many years? I don't think so. Right. I mean, I can't. Let me, maybe I'm not articulate enough, but I can't. So, so, so that's the feeling of the community and prayer and God's presence in fulfilling those goals. It's not empty. Okay. Prayer must lead to action of some sort and behavior of some sort.
0: So do we need to not only increase our conversation about mortality, but also have adult, meaningful, mature conversations about theology?
1: Absolutely. And I will add this. This is my standard line on this subject, unfortunately. I, You know, I'm, I, I had a congregation of PhDs, MDs, lawyers. You know, everybody went to graduate school. Uh, you know the Jewish dropout is somebody that doesn't finish his master's degree so so you know these are people with a third grade education in religion who think they're as sophisticated in religion as they are in their field okay and therefore they thought that religion was stupid was well, not that they were stupid it was that they were ignorant so they need a greater sophistication they require a higher level of sophistication in order to answer the very serious existentials Existential questions that they confront in their entire lives, like mortality, like the meaning of community. What is my obligation? How many times have, I, have you and I had this discussion also? I'll bet you, you you're the same. Okay, Rabbi, there's a, there's a guy asking for funds at the corner, okay? And, and I stop my car. Uh, I, I think he's going to use it for drugs. Do I help him out? Okay, that's just symbolic of what is my responsibility to society. And non-Jewish society, not just Jewish society, non-Jewish society as well. And if you think that's not an important question, look at Israel today. Oh, my God.
0: No, listen, the concept of mitzvot and responsibility. Um And uh, I, I, I'm hoping that this linkage can be re-energized in many cases during the coming year, because I think it's fallen away, not only because of the pandemic a little bit and some of the isolation, but there is this shift, as you as you write about in, in this article, away from a lot of the ways that we particularly define what it means to be a
1: liberal Jew. Um, and I don't so think people think any longer about denominations. I really no, don't. No, no. I think they no, think I, about I, the meaning of their lives. And yeah, I, I try the, to get that in a Jewish context.
0: Yeah, the, your, the post, whatever the literature is calling it, the post-denominational era, I think right. we're, it's, that's no longer up for grabs. It, I mean, I know having worked for the URJ and you were act, we know sort of like that the post denominational world is here. And given the explosion of non denominational seminaries and unaffiliated synagogues and Chavu rot and all these options that are now all over the place, including take sending high holidays without leaving your house by just going on the net. Um, it's a very, very different world, which is why we wanted to have these some of these conversations as the new year begins. So, Rabbi if Mark I mean, Levin.
1: Yes, go ahead. I, I just want to throw in. out on a limb here before we end. Lim, limb you hear, away. You hear and see a lot of articles about existential anxiety in our society today, anguish, high level of social, um, ennui, uh, you know, uh, uh, lack of values in life and the, and the anxiety that's resulting in the high level of drugs, et cetera. I think it's a lack of taking seriously our, ex- taking seriously our existential questions and having solutions for those existential questions. Religion somehow or another provided it. Okay. And, and there are answers to these questions, community being a major answer. And as these things decline, we're seeing the results in society. And, and it's tragic. Uh, so when we talk about the high holy days, I would want to say to people, what are the serious? Can you, can you come in touch with the serious existential questions in your life? That the list of Unatanatoka from Yom Kippur, okay, of, of the ways in which people die. Okay. What is the question there? How am I living? How's it going for me? What do I need to change in order to face my mortality and say, you know what? I did it well. Not to pat myself on the back, but to have a feeling of, 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 of satisfaction in what I'm leaving to the world. And, and that's the serious religious question that the high holidays bring up for me to say to me, you know what? I'm going to redirect in this area because, because if I die tomorrow, I'm not going to be happy with this. So it's a very serious time of the year and the liturgy is there. You know, how do you write a liturgy that's good for 2000 years and millions of people? It's not, it's not easy. It points us in that direction. The final steps have to be taken by us.
0: So to conclude, let me conclude with your last little paragraph from this wonderful article, which I think sums up exactly what you're saying. Because you write, quote, liberal Judaism requires an accepted theology of the meaning of death and the community to support it and us. Without them, we will never succeed. But with them, American Jewelry will attract not only Jews but converts and searches for searchers for ultimate meaning beyond our imagination unquote um, Mark, thank you very much It's been an uh, enormous
1: pleasure Enormous pleasure. We'll
0: be back in touch with you We'll uh, do some more, hopefully you're going to continue writing for the website uh, Listen, just have a sweet and most of all healthy new year because that Amen. health thing is more important than anything else right now um, and to you and your family and just stay safe and stay healthy Thank you very, very Same much. Same to you.
1: Same to you. Be well. Shana to world. all of too early. Shana That's It's never too early. Uh,
0: <laughs> to all of you, thank you again for joining us on today's edition of Secrets of Meeting, the podcast and TV arm of Jewish Sacred Aging. If you'd like to help support our work, and we really do appreciate it, if you go to the website, jewishsacredaging.com, and scroll down to the donate button, just follow the prompts. We really are appreciative of any support that you can give us. Uh, if you'd like to comment or make a suggestion, again, email me at Rabbi Address at jewishsacredaging.com. Seekers of Meaning is produced at the Broadcast Center of Lubetkin Media Companies here in beautiful Cherry Hill, New Jersey. And a big shout out to our genius producer, Steve Lubetkin. Thank you for joining us. I am your host, Rabbi Richard Address, and I look forward to greeting you on our next Seekers of Meaning TV show and podcast. And in the meantime, everyone, stay safe, stay well. Most of all, be kind to one another. Shalom Tada.